I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Since starting this podcast almost 12 months ago, we have been able to share experiences across many sectors. And although each sector has its own unique elements, the consistency in what works, and most importantly, what doesn't work, is fascinating to see. In the first episode of 2021, Troy shared his experiences within the social housing sector. And today we will continue this theme as I'm joined by Ellie Holt, who has operated within the sector for the entirety of her career across both operational and transformational roles. Let me introduce you to her now. Thanks, Ali. Thanks for agreeing to join us today. Uh, throughout your career, um, you have operated just within the social housing sector, I think. Um, so as you provide us with a little bit of background on, on your career to date, maybe you can answer a couple of questions. Uh, what attracted you to the sector in the first place? And how has that sector changed over the years that you've been operating in it? Sure. So, um, I mean, when I um, first went into the workplace, I did actually work for a short time in the private sector, but it was it was a very short stint. And um, a role came up at my local, what was my local housing association, then Chilwa Housing Trust back in 2000. Um, it was just an admin admin type role. So I kind of drifted, drifted into housing. And at that time, uh, it was during the um, Blair government around 2000, mm -hmm. and um, there was a lot, lot of resources and, and money around um, that was being put into supported housing. And um, I was really fascinated by the um, supported housing officer roles that were were in within Chilwell Housing Trust. And an opportunity came up for me to train to to be a supported housing officer, yeah. which I I loved. Um, <coughs> it was. Uh, working within a mother and baby unit uh, for some time and then with young offenders which which I particularly enjoyed um, and it really did provide positive outcomes on the whole because of the amount of time that you could spend with individuals so um, I guess I accidentally came upon um, social housing although it's not a surprise many of my family members work within the third or public sector and in vocational type roles and I consider yeah. housing a vocational role so that was my sort of um, entry into into the sector I guess I think you asked me about how it had changed yeah how it had changed over <laughs> yeah. 20 years then, yeah yeah um a lot <laughs> so I think I alluded to the fact that you know, under the Blair government there was um you know we 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 had kind of decent homes, and um, the the supported people money that that was around. Um, I guess we've seen uh, a, a more of a much more of a move towards commercial 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 organisations. Yeah. Um, with the reduction in grant funding, we need to cross subsidise social housing through different means. So housing associations have adapted to become more um, effective businesses. I mean, they've certainly become a lot larger. So the first housing association I started in had around 3,000 homes and it went through two mergers whilst I was there to become what was one of the biggest housing associations at the time, A2 Dominion. Um, I think from memory, I had about 25, 28,000 homes. Mm -hmm. And I now work for 
uh, Notting Hill Genesis, which has 64,000. Uh, yeah. we're, we, you know, we're not the biggest. There are some that are kind of over, over 100,000 homes. So we've seen um, growth. We've seen commercialization. Um, and, we, and housing associations are really good at adapting to change. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess those are the kind of the big changes that we've seen. Yeah, I've, I've done quite a bit of work in housing associations over, over the last few years. And uh, as you say, it, it's it's the amount of change that the sector has gone through um, has been immense, as you say, going yeah. from uh, rel relatively lots and lots of smaller organisations, locally driven organisations, community-based organisations, to these, as you say, uh, national organisations you now, certainly a lot of regional players, yeah. um, and that complete mix from um, originally being um, social housing providers to a mixture of now of between social and private rented in houses for sale, that completely different dynamic within the organisation, different skill sets that are required. How, how do you, how, how do you how do you think um, people have adapted to that? I mean, I think I think we're we are very agile. Um, we've always been subject to change throughout my career, anyway. Um, I, I must say, in the last uh, probably three years, I've seen more change than I have in the the previous seventeen years, um, and and that has proved more difficult, I think. And and that comes from not just the changes that we are seeing in policy and regulation. Um, and the, the fallout from the tragic tragedy of Grenfell and building safety, mm -hmm. but equally um, just the pace of change around technology and digital and what our residents and customers are, are expecting from us in terms of what we can provide. So it's coming from quite a few different angles. Yeah. I think um, we adapt well, we employ really good people, we employ people that care. And I think that that is a really, um, that's the strength of, of the sector that we work in and why I love it so much. But equally, you, you can't really make change quickly unless you care about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's something I really value. Totally agree, totally agree. And it's definitely noticeable um, having worked in, in they say, across social housing organisations and then you go into organisations in different sectors and the, the degree of caring about what you deliver and how you deliver and the passion that you see that uh, within uh, socialising organisations are, I wouldn't say black and white, uh, but black and grey, certainly. Um, so uh, you, you, you've obviously, uh, or throughout your career, you've moved between change stroke transformation type roles and, and then yeah. more operational focus roles. Which, which have you enjoyed the most? Um, yeah, so I kind of went, I guess, from a fairly hands-on operational role into project management and then into a, a series of change roles um, which led me to leading the the merger between Notting Hill and Genesis um, and I now am back in an operational role albeit at a strategic level I think both have their merits um, I, I really do value from an operational perspective that really being close to residents mm -hmm. and really you, you you don't have that as much in the transformational roles although you perhaps recreate the same relationship with with staff so that people people focus is really important and probably the the continuum between both both uh different types of roles um 
I think I learned an awful lot, ironically, at the very beginning of my career when I was working with young people about changing the way they live their lives and supporting them to change the way they live their lives that I took into um, working with uh, colleagues and, and and people about managing them through the change process. Yeah. Um, and then the things that I learned through um, delivering large scale change programs, I've now taken back into operation. So it is very much uh, chicken and egg, I think. Yeah. Um, both have their merits. Uh, but as you say, the commonality is is taking people on that journey, whether it's a personal journey or whether it's a journey within the business construct. It's it's still making people or helping people to transition from doing one thing to doing something different. And um, yeah, I, I, I th- a lot of it, it, a lot of that sort of transformation focus comes down to the people, and and it's it's the people that determine whether or not it's going to be successful in most cases. It is. I mean, there is this sort of, you know, I'm sure people have heard the adage, if you put a good person into a bad process, the, the you know, the person will fail. Equally, um, I've not, I've not actually, there's a, there's a kind of a bit of a myth that people go to work and there's people that kind of want to do things badly or they're, they're putting a spanner in the works or they're kind of, you know, throwing things over the fence. Actually, that's not been my experience. Most people I've met have wanted to go to work and do a really good job and do care, um, but maybe there are things that prevent them from doing that in the in the fun in the uh, the function or the framework or the way things are set up. Um, so I do think people are at the heart of get, getting people on board with a, with an idea or with a change are at the heart of kind of making it successful. But you you do have to look a little bit at process as well. Of course, yes. And, and, and as you say, you know, you, you've got to accept that. Um, when when people don't like change generally yeah. that they're, they're, they're happy a lot of people are happy to go through it once they understand what the future looks like but as soon as you start mentioning things are going to change around here the you almost get the initial the, the initial response is what's that going to mean to me yeah and when i suppose as a uh, as as a nation in the in uk in particular we're probably more pessimistic than optimistic generally. So we always think the, the, the worst of things rather than the best of things. And, and, but you've got, once you've overcome that, then I find that you know, you, people will come on the journey um, and, and, and will enjoy that journey. And especially if they can get involved in, in planning that journey in the first instance. Yeah, I mean, I think um, people, you're right. I think change, change can be quite frightening for people. And, and and actually even people that say oh I love change I embrace it you know you you see through the process for everybody it's something different and one of the things that the um, merger taught me was the um, that the difficult there is for leadership going through that process so leaders have to be seen to um, be leading the change and embracing the change at the same time as they're experiencing their own feelings of loss or fear or worry yeah. um, but that but they but they're expected to kind of contain that and to, to still kind of lead from the fore and be enthusiastic. So I think um, certainly one of the things I learned, particularly through a merger where you're bringing two different cultures, although it can apply in every scenario, even right down to a very small process where you might have two different ways of working, is that you really need to work with those those people that are going to be the leaders that will take people through that process. If you don't get managers or, or leaders on board, it will fail. It I haven't had an experience that's gone well where that hasn't hasn't that work hasn't been done up front. No, agreed. And, and I and I find that it's the middle managers 
um, that can be the most challenging because the, the, the senior managers tend to know what's going to happen and what the, what the likely outcomes are. The uncertainties in that in in that middle management um, bracket, and 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 that's and, and the uncertainty breeds um, frustration, breeds sort of as you say concern and worry, and 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 trying to manage that through a change program, whether that's a merger or whether that's a, a, a well anything really is is, mm. is 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 challenging. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the biggest mistakes that. Um organizations make or people make when they exactly as you've alluded to around middle managers is not sharing information soon enough there's actually very little that needs to be kept secret um, unless there's some sort of confidentiality arrangement Um, actually most things can be shared as soon as you're kind of clear on what you're sharing up front and the more communication you do the better and even if you say actually we we're working on this but we don't quite know yet and we'll come back to you with an answer in a week we haven't really worked out what that piece will look like but you know we want to work with you but we need to just get our heads around it it's actually okay to say that and it's better to say that than to say nothing and then sort of launch something on people um, totally agree. It's it's being honest with people, isn't it? And it and, is. And, and people can accept that you won't have the answers straight away. Um, and as long as you're telling them that, well, this is what we're doing, and by this point, we expect to be able to come back and tell you what's happening. Yeah. They, they respect that, and they'll understand that, and they'll go along with that in the main. So. Yeah. Coming back to the merge, I'm I'm quite keen just to to, to explore that that your experience in that really. Um, so, was was it a, was it a true merger or was it a takeover um, named a merger? Uh, if you if you if you know what I mean, um, it was it was a merger of equals. So, interestingly, um, both Genesis Housing and Notting Hill Housing um, started in similar parts of London at a similar time, addressing a similar issue, and grew in similar geography in a, a very similar pace so it was almost kind of a no-brainer really that at some point we would we would merge although it hadn't happened previously I mean like most mergers you know the CEO of our merger was Notting Hill CEO and with that when you get the the leader from one organization then they are likely to bring with them a a culture that they influence so um and I think it's important to understand that up front and to to not be frightened to have those conversations um, around, you know, the, something that is obvious, it's pretty obvious that that, will, would, that that the CEO influences culture. So there may be more of a lilt one way or the other, depending on um, how it goes. The other thing um, that was really important through the, the, the Notting Hill Genesis merger was um, the way decisions would be made around things like um system it systems so if before i did the merger it felt like quite a we know it's just this it system what's the big deal actually people are really attached to things and and there might be reasons why you might keep one system over another because of the amount of investment you've already put in or it might be more future proof so again it's kind of all of that explanation around um why every decision is made is important and if 70 percent of the decisions are one organization than another it might not be because it's a takeover there's always in my view a rationale which is to do with kind of value for money or you know the most sensible thing for the future 
don't I haven't experienced any decisions that have been made just because well we've always liked it like that yeah. so yeah but I think the perception could be there if you don't head it off absolutely I, I think the challenge with sometimes with uh, with mergers though is that you you don't get those final decisions you don't get well actually to, to be able to collect collectively move forward together we've just got to go with one way so it's 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 a binary choice yeah. uh, you, 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 uh, there's a there's a um there's a temptation to try to merge the processes to be the best that you can get between the two it's, and that that can be really problematic in the long term so <clears throat> i find that the successful mergers have been where they've just said okay on this technology we're going to all go to this technology because that's what we're going to base it on or this process is going to be the process that we go to as opposed to doing that sort of merging of stuff during the transformation because once you've done it and you've got everyone operating on the same way then you can improve and then you can move things forward absolutely i think the other thing as well is like understanding quite quickly what you what you do want to consult on and what you actually are just going to make a decision on yeah. because if you sort of know well we, we're going to do with this but we're going to do like sort of you know consultation actually people will see through that straight away mm. so you may as well just say we're making this decision for that reason and we're not consulting because of x or actually this is something we can give to the staff to decide which is the best way or you know a, an example might be um in our merger would you know where we're going to have our offices probably wouldn't be up for consultation with staff because that will likely be a decision around um, value for money and financial decision but perhaps how the office is laid out or how people want to work that was something that we could we could consult with staff on so I think understanding that and revisiting it all the time is quite important absolutely and what was the cultures like were they were they similar cultures or were they were they quite were they quite different I think they were quite different. Um, I, I did a lot of reading prior to the actual go live day around mergers and, you know, everyone always talks about culture. And I hadn't really read a case study where somebody had said that the cultures were really similar or the same and they'd blended beautifully. And I think it's a bit like having two maybe step families coming together. You know, even if you've got similar interests, yeah. you're going to have different ways of doing things. Um they were different and um, that provided some challenges, um, particularly around the way that we worked. So uh, one organisation had a much more flexible approach to how they worked to, to another. And yeah. actually, when you're talking about, you know, things like uh, how you work, working from home, flexible working, um, and I don't mean flexible working in the statutory sense, you're talk, you might be talking about people's work-life balance. And yeah. so then people start to really feel anxious. So those types of things um, really need to be dealt with quite sensitively. And um, and those are the sorts of things that you take your time over. They're maybe not things that you rush. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's, um, I, I, I haven't come across an organisation that's merged with another one and, and there's not been cultural differences. I, I think it's, whether whether they are virtually identical, there'll be some language or some some element that that will be different and 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 and, and that if you don't if you don't identify those and and proactively look to 
at least go through the process of understanding those differences and, and working out the best way of, of resolving them, that um, they, they, they certainly can come back to bite you uh, at some stage in the future if you're not careful. And uh, it, yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating. It's, I think sometimes you go into organisations that have merged years ago um, and can still see because of the behaviour and the language they use, um, which organisation they came from. Yeah, I've, um, I've seen seen that for myself firsthand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not not I would not at Notting Hill Genesis, but and other other organisations. I'm sure you know. The, the, I think you know at the very beginning it was quite noticeable, but over time, you know, certainly I feel like we're one organisation now, which is which yeah, is great. Good, good. So. Um, you know, transformation um, or, or change should always look to deliver value. Um, but but I find it in, at, at times, certainly in the short term, um, it, 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 that, that, that sort of drive to demonstrate the value sometimes gets lost um, because other projects come along and you move on to a different, a, a, a different, uh, a different focus. What, what 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 have you done um, to to ensure, or what do you do, should I say, to ensure that you can demonstrate that you've delivered the original business case? That um, you know you, when you when you got sign off for doing whatever project or improvement activity. Yeah, so we we had like a really um, quite a big target to me in terms of kind of savings um, mm -hmm. and also kind of bringing teams together. So we set ourselves like a target, a two year target. And um, I think it was about 20 million pounds worth of savings and we stuck to it kind of rigorously. Um, right. And I think this the point of everybody understood what the target was in the whole business, you know, yeah. right down to the frontline stuff. Um, and we kind of ruthlessly, um, you know, went and drove towards achieving those savings and making sure that we kind of merged. There were there were other things that we um so the two year was about getting to that, getting to those savings and getting us merged, getting our IT systems in place and the teams integrated. We're probably now in the process of saying, OK, we've merged with one organization. Now, now what is the organization that we want to be? Yeah. So there's kind of Notting Hill Genesis merged. Then there's two years of delivering the business case and and working out um, what we need to do to come together. And now we're in a place to say who do who who are we now what what's emerged from from the merger um, but i think it's i think you in answer to your question it's just ha having a really clear vision everybody behind it and consistently going back and revisiting it yeah and, and i think the key thing about that um was when you, when you said you communicated it very very clearly up front so you set the you set the ambition you set the, the the target. Everybody knew what that was, and yeah. then and and then you, as you as you as you progressed through, you reported against it. So yeah. again, there's no surprises for people, and, and that that that's um, that's a, a really good best practice, I think, um, and and uh, one that a lot of organisations can learn from. Just what there was just one more thing that's been reminded around pace. So pace is so important. Um, it, we 
we had a sort of mantra of um, as fast as possible and as slow as necessary. Right. And there were things that we just needed to get done. And But then there were times where maybe we felt actually maybe we're pushing this a little bit hard and we, we aren't bringing people with us. So we just need to step back and slow down a little bit. And it's that constant kind of um, turning the taps on and off yeah. to keep driving forwards, but make sure making sure that you're taking people with you. And what did you put in place to check, to check that out? Because as as a program team or, or you know the stakeholders, it's easy just to get very sort of siloed thinking, and you're going along this path, and and uh, you know um, it's very easy not to see those signs. Did, what did you put anything in place to? Uh... Yeah. So specifically, we had um, we had a, a meeting every single week with the relevant sort of project. Um, leads from the business um, and it was a long meeting and we went through with we it was like three hours and we'd go through everything and, and kind of update and make sure that everything was on track and I guess part of that conversation was also um, you'd be observing how people were feeling whether whether you felt that things were getting on top of people a bit too much in within different parts of the business so it was very much a practical kind of where are we with projects but actually the emotions would come out in the room so you could keep a bit of a temperature check um along running alongside that we did an enormous amount of work with our uh, newly formed um directors group heads of service group and um exec directors group around culture and um and ex- how we how we work together collectively and collaboratively so it was much more of the softer side um and i think that those two things are what enabled us to to deliver the vision and the business case as we set out to do so yeah no i i, I, can, I can absolutely understand that i think that that investment in those teams those newly formed teams how they can work most effectively together and 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 building that oh that that um awareness of the different strengths and weaknesses and different ways of communication and 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 and, and helping each other to understand i suppose uh maybe may well with this person that they want to be much more direct they want to be much more sort of uh, uh um, much more sort of specific in the information that you provide them you need to you need to get to know that especially when you're putting new teams together um so that the more effort and more uh, more input that you can do in building those teams in the first place the the benefits will have will, will have started to shine through i'm sure yeah i mean i think the, the only other thing probably to add was around creating quite a safe environment so we made it really okay for people to say I don't know the answer like it was you know uh, our CEO and our exec would 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 regularly say this is new to us as well so yeah. we're, we're gonna that doesn't mean that you know um, we, you know we're completely naive but we're, we're we're gonna go through this process together when we might make mistakes but that's okay and we'll learn as we go and and I think there's something about there's something there's something quite comforting actually and there's something that makes people feel quite secure when people are prepared to say that rather than kind of feel that there's like a hidden agenda or they don't know what they're doing or people would easily fill the gaps it's it's having that grown-up environment isn't it and and you know no one can know all of the answers all of the time yeah um but it takes a brave person to admit 
in some cases that they don't know, especially the more senior you become because the expectation is that people look up to the chief exec and, well, you should know what we're doing. But, but at the same, the converse is actually the more you can get other people engaged and involved in making those decisions or having an input in making those decisions, the more ownership that the rest of the team have and it helps actually deliver against it. So, Absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Um, so in terms of... Um, in not not just in the uh, not just in the merger, but on all of your sort of uh, projects and 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 change initiatives that you've done, um, what are, what do you think are the essentials uh, to get in place to 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 ensure that success? I think I've sort of alluded to this already, but you have need to have a really strong vision, and you need to um, you need to constantly communicate and. And as soon as you can, don't keep things secret and be open and honest. Um, I think uh, don't lose sight of why. It's yeah. so easy to to get focused on how and um, and you know how difficult it is. But actually, it's really important to go back and say why did we? What was what was the principle? Why did we say we were going to do this because of X, Y, and Z? And that can be really helpful, actually, to especially if people are starting to feel a bit bogged down by it. Or, I think you need to find your star players, and there's absolutely no two ways about it that through a change pro change programs, particularly large scale ones, are really exhausting, and they do require people to do extra hours and they do require people to push the extra mile and you're probably going to have to rely on some really key individuals to do that and you need to make sure that they're well looked after um through that through that process um and the i suppose the other point that i haven't already made would be not to wait for perfection mm -hmm. so um it's very tempting to never make change because there are many reasons not to do it or to, uh, you know, well, it's not quite ready yet or we can't launch it yet or we need this, this and this. And I think the recent pandemic that we found ourselves in has demonstrated that we can do change very, very quickly um, if we want to um, when there's a burning platform. So it's kind of almost artificially creating that if you need to, Absolutely. to allow for change to land. So, so you alluded to sort of the stress of driving change um, and that can be stressful certainly for anybody who's in the organisation that's going through that, but it can absolutely be stressful for the people that are in the team because, as you say, their expectations and the hours and the pressure that they put under, especially if they're, if they're also doing a day job, um, can be immense. So uh, what do you do and what, 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 what's your sort of... Uh, stress alleviation technique as such yeah I mean it's probably a quite common and an obvious answer but um exercise is really important for me um particularly since we've been in lockdown um I've been at the gym I've been going outside outside to get some fresh air and I think actually that's a really good way for me to de-stress just to remove myself from the scenario um and just get a change of scene and get helps me to get a bit more creative the the other thing which which again is something I found in in extremely difficult actually at the moment is that I'm a real I'm a real sociable person mm. and I get my energy from other people and certainly this the second lockdown I found quite hard and and so it demonstrated to me that the way I manage my stress is through being around people yeah. um and 
I've been back in London this week, which has been fantastic. And yeah, so I think those being with with others and exercise are probably the two ways that I use the most to manage my stress. Right, which is interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of people, uh, when they become stressful, almost revert into themselves and 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 go into a shell. But yeah, as you say, just 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 move away from people. And uh, but it's good that uh, you obviously notice that actually the best way that you can that you find is that exercise and that sociability. Yeah, and that sort of self self awareness is is so important in in understanding how you can alleviate that those stressful situations. I think there's something about kind of, I mean, yeah, probably do a little bit of reflection and stuff as well. But this for me, the way I reflect and deal with stress is sort of bouncing it off, off of others yeah um yeah so that yeah and I, I only really realized that when I've through this period where I've been stressed and I haven't had that outlet right yeah it's been a, it's been an interesting time with I think a lot of people have learned a hell of a lot a hell of a lot about themselves they've learned uh, they've learned a, a massive amount about their abilities as an organization um, and the abilities to deliver change because as you say if, if if we go back to well probably as late as the first week of March um, you know if, if you'd said to people well within within the next month the vast majority of people will be working from home and we'll be doing lots of uh, our team meetings and 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 such on 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 this thing called Zoom or Teams, people would just have laughed at you, and, and yeah. suddenly the whole world changed within such a such a short period of time. Yeah, um, and I, I I think it'd be interesting to see if we when we go back to whatever new normal looks like, and it's a dreadful term, but uh, it'd be interesting to see just how organizations grab hold of that ability and say actually we can do a lot more now moving forward than we ever thought we could do um, in, in, in terms of our ability to take on change and adapt to change very very quick yeah I think that's right and actually you, if you look at any any change program which what we've been discussing today you can quite often make and I, and I've seen it a few times with kind of lean processes you can make some really significant change and turn processes around and then six months later you go back and it's just back to how it was yeah. and and I and I always feel quite sad about that where it hasn't embedded because you've lost perhaps some of the the benefits that that could have been there and I, and I would I mean I, I don't particularly want to spend you know another six months in this small room in my house looking at a screen <laughs> equally you know, I think it would be sad if we don't bring some of the benefits that it brings, uh, which might be things like a, a better work-life balance or um, the ability to um, uh, manage your workload in a slightly different way. If we lost that, that would be a shame, I think. So I, I do think that that some sort of hybrid um, or some learning from what we've what we've picked up would be helpful. Yeah, I, I think it's about getting balance, isn't it? And and what's right for you won't be right for somebody else. So it's about as an organization being able to provide the workplace that's right for the team as individuals as well as as, as a team as a whole um there's some people uh, as you say maybe don't even have the environment at home that they could work effectively from home in the long term um but a lot of people 
like the idea of working from home for maybe one or two days a week but as you say want to have those conversations around the coffee um uh, around the uh, around the kitchen or or whatever that you get and that sociability that you get by working into the office so it's, i think it's key to be flexible enough that people can feel comfortable with that flexibility moving forward yeah i think that's right i i usually end this with what's your one takeaway yeah. So um, I, I suspect I might know what that is, bearing in mind that we've mentioned it a few times. But you know, of everything that you've learned in, in terms of you know, managing transformation and change, what, what is that one takeaway? Well, I've spoken quite a lot about people and the importance of people and bringing them with you, but I probably haven't mentioned um, about when, when people don't want to come with you. Mm-hmm. So I think the one takeaway for me is you have to really, really care about the end goal and you have to really strive to get to where you need to be. Otherwise you may as well not bother trying to make the change if that's not your, the, your mantra. Yeah. Um, but you also have to accept that no matter how hard you try and however much you put in and there will always be some people that don't want to come on that journey yeah. and, um, and that's okay that's okay for them and that's okay for you and I think that's that's probably probably my takeaway it is a people it is a people business but not everybody um may see things in the same way that you do no absolutely well thank you very much Ellie thanks for your time and um and uh yeah let's uh let's keep in touch thank you thanks Tony cheers thanks Ellie it's always a pleasure to discuss the sector with you some really interesting insights on this show, don't you think? I just love the approach on pace, as fast as possible, but as slow as necessary. I'm sure we can all integrate this thinking. If you want to share your experiences, please do get in touch. Equally, if you're interested in building your network with like-minded people within change and transformation, I'd encourage you to check out the Transformation Leaders Hub. It really is a thriving community that continues to grow exponentially month on month see the link below. With that, thanks for listening and I'll see you in a couple of weeks.